You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is February 28th. 2022. And on today's show, we'll discuss the deadline day that is upon us, the date that Major League Baseball is set to get a deal done with the Major League Baseball Players Association. And if they did not, they said that Major League Baseball will cancel some of their beginning regular season uh, games on opening day and whatnot. So we'll see what happens there. I've got some thoughts on what's happening right now. And then we're going to start attacking the 10 biggest questions facing the Washington Nationals this coming season. So exciting to kind of get into that stuff. The deal is going to get done eventually. So baseball is going to happen soon. And when it does, we'll be prepared by attacking these questions. All right, everybody, let's get into it. First of all, no video this week, or at least be pretty short on video because I am on vacation with the family right now and due to that the wi-fi where i am is not very good so just the audio version but i will post these all to youtube second thing coming up uh tomorrow i'm going to record with lindsey crosby who is the host of locked on prospects he also has a really good understanding of the finances surrounding the mlb lockout and what's happening right now between both sides and so if you're like me you know i'm a huge baseball fan but Not exactly the most privy to a lot of the individual negotiations that are taking place and really what they entail. So because of that, speaking to Lindsay is going to give us the opportunity to really dive in. It's actually going to be posted across the network for whatever host uh, of the other shows wants to take it and use it. And so we kind of almost like a PSA and a question and answer with Lindsay about what the two groups are haggling over. That's going to be coming tomorrow. And if they get a deal done... We're still going to do an episode kind of saying, all right, where did they land on certain topics? Um, And so I'm I'm really looking forward to that and and learning a lot myself. Uh, And so regardless of what happens, Lindsay and I will have an episode where the two of us come together and discuss these things. Let's get into the actual lockout because I saw, you know, there was a story yesterday saying there was some optimism about a deal maybe getting done today. It looked like that was a source from an owner uh, saying that and... I know that there was an article today, I believe, posted by Jeff Passan over at ESPN where basically said, you know, this was perpetrated by the owners um, and now it's boiling over and and now they are to blame. And look, to me, there is a lot of truth there, but I'm not in this. There are so many people on Twitter that are in this camp of the owners, the owners, the owners, the owners, the owners, horrible people, awful people. A lot of them, they suck. They're horrible. It's their fault. And my my issue is not necessarily their positions. Um, I am very much pro player. I, I hope the players do get a lot of their ways. I, I am my issue was the timeline. My issue was not understanding like you don't have to be at this deadline. You can be really far apart from a deal. And if they had taken more time during yes, the holiday season is difficult, but during December, during January, and and not kind of just been so stubborn that, you know, it would have been difficult. Now, everybody always says, we're, we're sitting here, we're ready to go, you know, we're ready to get these negotiations underway. But I know most of the time, deals don't come till very late on, and games are missed, and, and hands have to be forced. But 
you know, we're at the point now where we had a shortened season in 2020, got a full one back in 2021 with not full fans the entire time. And now we're missing, uh, you know, spring training games and it's going to be late spring training. And, and we're, you know, potentially looking at the, the opening day being canceled at this point too. Like this is where the deals need to come in. And once again, this could have been worked on beforehand. It's like they actually have to feel the impacts. You know, it's like if I told you I'm going to poke you with a thumbtack in 10 seconds, unless you give me $5, then, you know, you're not going to wait until I'm like beginning to poke you with the thumbtack to give me the $5, right? You're just going to, you know, okay, I'm going to give you the $5. I don't want him to re- repeatedly poke me with the thumbtack. Like you don't wait until you begin to feel the effects or I'm like an inch away from your skin to actually do it because you know what's going to come. You know I'm going to poke you. Well, like, you know, you had 10 seconds. They had months. They had months to get to the table and it's like, I guess we got to feel the impacts. I guess we got to feel the heat. We got to feel the public heat. We got to feel the heat in the players and on our wallets. Like you didn't have to wait to this point and they did. Now to the, the owner's side about what they want. Once again, not an expert on a lot of these things. But I will say this, um, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, notice how frugal Mark, guys like Mark Cuban is, all of them are, right? Shark Tank's a very popular show. They fight and scratch and claw for small percentages or, you know, large, large percentages, but percentages of these companies and dollar amounts to them that are semi-consequential. Think about all the wealth a guy like Mark Cuban has accumulated in other parts of of his life. He owns a uh, NBA team, owns, you know, obviously a bunch of of businesses. He's getting a lot of, I promise you, a lot of money from being on the show Shark Tank. So when he buys somebody's company, you know, a certain percentage for $500,000, if he were to lose all that money, would it suck? Yes. Would it be crippling? No. But that being said, those guys fight, scratch, and claw, guys and girls, I should say, fight, scratch, and claw for every dime, every nickel, every penny when they're in those negotiations with people. And the reason why they do that is because that's what's made them so successful. Being shrewd, knowing, you know, knowing when to, uh, having your hard line, using your ability, using your power financially to get deals done to, to, you know, continue your own success. And I think we have to understand that not all owners are like that, but many ownerships are like that. And so giving ground is not always how they maximize profits. And, you know, I think that's the problem that we see. It's like a lot of them want to maximize profits. You know, they're not, uh, Steve Cohen actually, you know, is a good example of somebody who's like, we're not here for, this guy wants to spend as much money as he possibly can. We're here for the love of the game. We're out here tweeting. We want the Mets to win baseball games. That's kind of where they are, right? Like, you know, the learners are not like that. They got a world championship, and so they're going to flirt with the idea maybe of letting Juan Soto walk because in their minds, you know, they've, they've been to the pinnacle, right? Uh, they can't, they're not going to re-sign everybody. They're not going to um, go for broke this year, uh, you know, or, or make a bunch of trades, or, you know, spend a lot of money all the time because that's not how they operate. This is a business to them. You know, this is not, uh, this is not you know, uh, a team like the Mets where they're just buying it to have fun or, you know, a cash cow like the Yankees are. They're in a they're in a unique situation, so being frugal for them matters. Now they are in some parts, you know, you talk about like the minor leaguers' pay and, and things like that. Like you're haggling over small amounts of money that improve the quality of life of people that you really eventually hope to be in your system, uh, to be on your team. Yeah, it, that's that stuff is stuff that they have to improve. You know, the arbitration things like that. You know, when guys are eligible, right? 
Teams sometimes won't bring players up at certain times because they don't want to pay them a certain amount of money sooner or be put in a position they've got to pay somebody sooner. That kind of stuff has to stop. If you want somebody on your team, pay them the fair amount, pay them when they, you should pay them. That's kind of another conversation piece that to me, like is my, in my opinion, you know, I'm with the players on this. When you think about the player's side on a lot of these issues, you know, I know they've got the big guns at the table, Max and Garrett, and I think uh, Andrew Miller also is there as well. Um, you know, I, I've heard the idea. It's like, well, why are these, you know, the, guy, the richest guys there? It's like, look, those guys are setting precedents. Guys like Max Scherzer with his $40 million, $40-plus million a year contract with the New York Mets is setting a precedent. You know, I know he's going to reap the rewards of that contract, but he's also helping guys in the future. Future players will benefit. Even Juan Soto soon might benefit from that massive contract. Older players, he's showing the, you know, the, the amounts of money that older guys can get. People will benefit from guys like that. And those guys have a, uh, have a um, mandate, almost in my opinion, to hold strong to get what they need because it's not about the guys right now. In some senses it is, but it's about the guys down the road. They have an opportunity right here. The owners have never looked worse publicly this is where you say, look, we want to make the game better. We're here to make the game better for players, minor, major, whatever league, from wherever. Uh, we're here to make the game better for them. We're here to give them more opportunities. We're here to get more money for these guys. You are owners. You are a few. We are the many. And the fans want to see us. Let them see us. Let them uh, you know, let us get paid what we deserve because the fans love us. And, and then they, they've, got, they've got a responsibility to the next generation of guys you know, this this contract's going to be around. Uh, we'll see how long the length of the CBA goes, but it's going to be around for a minute. So they've got a responsibility to make life better for Major League Baseball players now and in the future and set precedents, not just with their contracts, but with this CBA that can help even future players down the line. They've got a responsibility to do that. You could say, well, the owners, they have a responsibility to do that too. Yeah, but they're all going to still end up being pretty rich, right? They're all going to end up being very, very rich, Baseball players, it, the same could not be said for them. So, you know, go back to the original point. We've hit deadline day. Sucks that we got this far, but let's be hopeful that something can get done. And something will get done soon. It's got to. There, once again, there's too much skin in the game for too many of the stakeholders involved. They're going to get something done. It's just a matter of when. So we're going to have a little bit more patience. I, I acknowledge it should not have come to this point. We as baseball fans can all acknowledge it should not have uh, have come to this point. But the first negotiations of the day are set to end here in about a little bit over half, half an hour away, I would say, yeah, uh, until the first negotiations are set to end. So we'll see if we can get anything. And obviously, if something does happen, we'll have more on that when it does. All right, quick break in the action day. Let you guys know today's show is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline has the most extensive collection of odds, news, scores, props, all of those things. You can bet on the UFC. You can bet on boxing. You can bet on college hoops. You can bet on the NBA. You can bet on the NHL. There's probably some MLB futures available there as well. I know uh, spring training's not quite done yet, and I can't wait to see the flurry of signings once the MLB lockout is over, and so that, I'm sure that'll shape the odds as each signing occurs, which will be fun to watch. But you can bet on all of these things at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go there today. New sleek interface. Check it out once again. BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it's where the game 
starts. All right, so I have compiled a list of my, my 10 biggest questions as we head into the 2022 MLB season, however long it is, however many games that we're going to see. So I've compiled my 10 for the Nationals and go through a couple of them today. So my first one is number 10. Can the Vets produce at a consistent rate? And so you might say, Josh, who are the Vets we're talking about when we consider the Washington Nationals? Well, I've zeroed in on two. Obviously, the Nationals want Josh Bell to produce. But the two guys I'm really looking at here are Cesar Hernandez and Alcides Escobar. Both the guys are on contracts that are one year long. So opportunities are uh, you know here for both of them. Alcides is at the point of his career where really for him, this is about staying in Major League Baseball. He's 35 years old. You know, he's been in the league for uh, a long time, right? Uh, his first year was 2008 with Milwaukee. Didn't make too many appearances, but it's the first time he showed up. Now we're in 2021. And so this was a guy that was not uh, there, and we didn't see him in 2019. We didn't see him in the majors in 2020. We saw him in 2021. And so, and, and, and hit 288 with a 340 on base percentage, um, 105 OPS plus, and and so, you know, he had, uh, let's see, a 28 RBI on, on, on the year. And this is a guy that, that was pretty productive for the Nationals uh, and kind of a guy they didn't expect to be pretty productive. They just picked up. Well, he's going to have a chance again. It looks like shortstop is going to be his to start off with. None of the guys the Nationals have at this point in time are set to, to kind of supplant him at short. And so a couple questions here. Number one. Can he be a productive player, right? Can he be the 2021 version of himself? Can he continue to do that and given that's something steady? And also, if he does that, if he does produce that way, can he be somebody at the deadline, the Nationals flip for somebody else? And the reason why I said is, well, they probably wouldn't get somebody that good for him. Sure, that's fair. But at the same time, think about it this way. He'd be a rental, sure, yes, and not a guy who provides a lot of pop and Guy doesn't walk a ton, but still 340 on base, pretty pretty respectable. 288 batting average, still pretty respectable. 105 OPS plus, pretty respectable in the amount of uh, you know 75 games, 349 plate appearances. So this is a guy that if he can kind of recreate that first half here, uh, once they get the deadline, flip him and, and think about this: the Nationals last year flipped John Lester for Elaine Thomas, right? Uh, you know they they flipped. Uh, I'm trying to think about uh, Riley Adams, right, for the Brad Hand trade and Brad Hand wasn't performing too well. So you've got some opportunities here to flip these guys. And if you do flip them, if, if, when you do flip them, you know, or at least just Alcides case right here, if you're able to flip him, not maybe not a top of the line guy, but somebody who could eventually help you out and be some kind of productive player. Maybe it's a bullpen arm, right? And the Nationals need more of those. I think Alcides could net somebody like that just because of his age and his productivity. And, and if he's able to repeat that, you know, a, a quick rental, that gets you a little something back in return. And all the while, in the meantime, if you don't get that, you know, if you don't get that uh, trade or he doesn't produce that well, you're still on the hook for one year. And also, you know, he can provide veteran leadership. Once again, guy was a leadoff hitter for a world championship team. So he has value that a one-year contract can bring to the franchise. I know some people moaned and groaned when they saw that Alcides Escobar was coming back. But if you think about where the Nationals are, the current spot they're in right now, a guy like this is going to have value. Even if he's not that good, you're not paying him that much, 
And on a team that's short on veteran experience, he adds a world championship flavor that Nationals have lost as many of their former world championship guys have uh, you know have gone on, right? No catchers anymore. Ryan Zerman is gone. Anthony Rendon is gone. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on for the number of guys that were part of the world championship team. You know, it's Soto and Robles. Those two, those two guys are, are still around. Keyboom was around, but didn't really, you know, and that wasn't really a big part of the team. And obviously some of the pitching staff, those guys who were in the back end as well, they're gone. So guys in the field providing a tray, as I obviously mentioned, Trey Turner is, is gone as well, you know, no Adam Eaton. So a lot of the world championship flavor that they had is gone. This is somebody that won a world championship, not obviously in D.C., did it in Kansas City, but knows what it's like to win and can impart a lot of wisdom upon young guys. So let's hope he can do that this season. All right, I'm going to talk about Cesar Hernandez in one second, but first, one more word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys can go to built.com today. That's built.com and check out the extensive line of Built Bars that they've got right now. Flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're delicious. All new flavors will be coming out all the time, so go check it out once again at Built.com. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of sugar. Much better than a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of of net carbs. So if you guys go to built.com, that's built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order at built.com today. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 a chain store, it's only 216 at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so the other guy I mentioned about these, you know, these vets, and they're, they're middle infield vets is what they are, um, is Cesar Hernandez, the Nationals signed him to a one-year contract. Now, this is somebody uh, in Hernandez who is 32 years old. So he's not really at the tail end like Alcides is. I mean, it's, <coughs> excuse me, that's a full three years. You know, you might think, oh, three years, not that big of a gap. But in your playing prime, you know, there is a big difference between 32 and 35. You're just, you know, you're starting to slowly but surely uh, physically decline just a bit. I mean, you're pro athletes. So these years do matter. And his quality of play has not been the highest. Uh, it was not great last year. I thought his 2020 was solid. He had 283 with a 355 on base at a 109 OPS plus. And that was a year where he drove in, uh, in the shortened season. Uh, he ended up driving in, let's see here, 20 runs uh, in that shortened season. And the year before, he had the high uh, of 71 for his career. That's a number he has not eclipsed. So that was in Philadelphia. 
a guy who's had some recent good play, but last year for him uh, with the Cleveland Indians and the then the then Indians, now the Guardians and the Chicago White Sox, uh, it was a total hit 232 with a 308 on base. So obviously, you know, he's in a good job uh, walking a bit there. Um, and his OPS plus was down to 89. So, you know, still had a good year. We drove in 62 runs, relative production happening there. He drove in a total of eight, uh, 21 home runs last year. So that was his highest clip of his entire career. So there are some signs that things are good there. The big question I think everybody's got is when it comes to Hernandez, how much are we going to see Hernandez starting? How much are we going to see Luis Garcia starting? Uh, we're going to talk about Carter Keboom in a later show, but the one the one interesting thing about Carter Keboom when you compare him to a guy like Luis Garcia is that Luis Garcia is still just 22 years old, or 21 years old, actually, excuse me. Uh, yeah, he turns 22 in May. So, you know, while there's pressure to get guys in the major leagues a bit faster, um, Garcia, you know, had a really nice 40-game stretch back in 2020. Then last year dropped off a bit in the 70 games he played in. He hit 242, the 275 on base, uh, and then an OPS plus of 86. So, you know, this is not somebody who's walking a whole lot. His play discipline isn't quite there yet, but just, you know, he's 21 years old. Not everybody is Juan Soto, right? So he has got a bit more of a, uh, you know, he's got a bit more of a, of a clock that's a bit longer as opposed to a key boom where you're saying, all right, you know, you've had a couple chances in the majors. This is going to be your first full chance. Third base is, well, knock on wood uh, for Nationals fans, third base is going to be yours. But Carter Keboom, uh, you know, is going to be 24 years old. And we've seen, you know, him play at this point in time. He's getting up towards 100 games. Uh, he's over 100 games right now. So it's not a massive sample size, but still, you know, I think at some point Nats fans have wanted him to break out just a little bit. Once again, sample size is still pretty small, nowhere near a full season. But at 24 years old, you know, if the Nationals want to start building a contender, you got to ask more out of him. You know, at 22 years old for Luis Garcia and seemed to be thrust before he's completely physically mature and all, and all those kinds of things, you know, you can you can be a bit more patient with that. Now, he's going to start off in the Major League roster. Um, you know, I, I think if you're going to do that, you should start him every single day. Hernandez can, you know, play some second base, maybe even play some third if they need him to go in that direction too. Depending on how he's hitting, you know, maybe have him DH one day. We'll see how that goes. But for him, I think when we had the same conversation about Alcides Escobar, we talked about somebody that could have a good year and they could trade. Hernandez definitely fits that bill. I actually think he fits that description a bit better than Alcides Escobar does. So that you have to balance that, you know, but, but to get him to that point where he's tradable and having a good season, he's going to have to play a lot. So how the Nationals manage that situation to me is going to be very, very interesting. If they can get one of those two guys to produce at a high level and, to, you know, they're both going to bring some veteran leadership. They both, you know, have, have 10 plus years in the league. I think Cesar Hernandez, yeah, the first year in the league is, is 2019, excuse me, 2019, 2013. So now uh, 2022 is technically his 10th season in the bigs. And that, that's 10, I mean, a decade of major league, uh, you know, of being a major league player valuable experience that he can impart other players. So you're going to get that value right off the top. You know that you're going to get that value right off the top of just that experience. Then can you bring that that high level of play you know, that we've seen him have 
at certain times or a decent level of play that makes him a desirable uh, commodity for other teams, which they'll give up some kind of prospect, the Nationals, you know, who knows? And they're not all going to hit, but, you know, Riley Adams and Lane Thomas look good, and we'll see if those guys are any good. But uh, change of scenery, finding players like that can always be something that's helpful. And maybe if you can get Cesar Hernandez to a position where he's that good, you can get somebody else. Uh, but how they manage that to that point, and if it gets to that point, is very interesting because the one thing the Nationals in 2020, uh, 2020 didn't do in the shortened season I don't think they gave enough opportunities uh, to especially Carter Keboom. I thought they, they really kind of bungled that situation where it was, you know, his job at first, then it wasn't his job. And so, uh, you know, at Luis Garcia, how does he get that treatment? Because that was two years ago. So I guess Garcia now is the same age that um, was the same age that Carter Keboom was at that point. And we were all calling for them to play Keboom more uh, just to make sure he was starting to see what he got. So, Maybe you want to keep going, Garcia. Once again, second, his numbers were horrible last year. Uh, hitting 242 is not like hitting 208, 275 on base percentage, right? Carter Keebum's numbers, it was a 202 back in 2020, a 207 back in 2021. Um, and that was with 33 games played and 62 games played. So just not a level of play. A bit more up and down for Luis Garcia, uh, who's played 110 games. So, uh, you know, you're trying to find that. And, and I and I think it's a situation where I'd like to see him play every single day. Um, I don't think they're going to put him in Triple A, so I think he should be the everyday guy, uh, everyday guy at second base. How does that factor in with Cesar Hernandez? That's going to be an interesting thing because we've seen Davey favor the vet sometimes over playing young guys. I hope that doesn't happen here. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at lo underscore nationals. You can follow me uh, on personally on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find the show on both YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, my friends. As always, stay safe and let's hope that we have an agreement between the players and the players' association.